You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of The Screeners. This is Chad. And I'm Daniel. And that's it for this week, but not to fear, we will have uh, an appearance from the rest of The Screeners at some point, I am sure. <laughs> at some Josh point. Is, I'm sure Josh is waiting with bated breath to get back to the cinema. Chris and Melody will be back soon, but uh, in any case, Daniel, it's just you and I tonight, I think we're going to be okay. You feeling okay tonight? Oh, I'm feeling great. You've talked about it a lot, but you're expecting your twins, right, at any moment. Yeah. Is this true? Yeah. I mean, at very most, they'll be here in two weeks, so they could come at any time. We're uh, we're, we're ready for those those boys to get here. So, you know, this may be my last show for a little bit, or maybe I've got a couple more in me. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, congratulations in advance, yeah. and all that means is that the next few podcasts will just be me going, someone talk <laughs> about movies with me. But um, seriously, congratulations. That's fantastic. Yeah, and if we hear any kind of like screaming noises in the background, you have our permission yeah, to leave I'll just early run. and go to the so hospital. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We have a great show tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching and catch up on that, as well as do an in-depth review of Damien Chazelle's First Man. But before we jump into that, I do want to remind everybody to make sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for The Screeners Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter. Twitter at ScreenersCast, and if you'd like to send us an email, you can email us ScreenersCast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, Daniel, let's jump into what we've been watching. You're listening to the Screeners Podcast. So I know there's a lot of movies, Daniel, that you and yes. I have been watching, but we have also run out of real estate here on the show to be able to talk about everything. So I thought it'd be a great idea tonight if you and I could just start very briefly and just kind of catch up with the other things that we have been watching. So uh, let me pitch it over to you, Daniel. What have you been watching? I have been watching a lot. I have been really, like we said, you know, that the, the our twins could come anytime. So I've been really trying to like cram in as many movies and stuff as possible uh, <laughs> right. while we still can. So, so I've been watching a lot of movies. I've been watching TV as well, but I've just been watching so much that just for this segment, I kept it to only the movies I've been watching. So that doesn't include like Maniac on Netflix, which was great. Uh, we're rewatching Making a Murderer before the new season comes out this weekend. Oh, yeah. So we've been watching a lot, but but I'll stick to the movies for now. I watched A Star is Born for a second time. We reviewed yeah. it on our last show. Have you watched it a second time yet, Chad? I've not had a chance to yet, but it's definitely on the agenda for sure. It Man, I, so I talked about on the last show about how I wanted to watch it again. I loved it even more the second time, I, and I loved oh, it a yes. lot the first time. But a lot of those nitpicks that I had... I mean, I still feel them a little bit, but but man, a lot of them go away. And even I talked about in our review how I really only enjoyed three tracks from the soundtrack, and right. and I said I could take or leave the rest. I totally take that back. I uh, I love the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, you know, I still I still have some some complaints here or there. But I love the soundtrack, love the music, and um, it, well, it I have just... to be—I have to be honest with you, Daniel. So my my wife, when she listened to that episode, it was in the middle of the workday for me, and I get a phone call from Laura. I was actually on a shoot, <laughs> and so I answer the phone, hello, and uh, and she's like, "Are you kidding me?" And she's very <laughs> mad, and I I don't understand what is happening, and she's like, 
I am going to kill Daniel. And I'm like, I don't understand what is happening. Babe, I'm in the middle of a shoot. I've got to go. Is this really why you called me? Yes, it's very important. I can't believe he did it like that last song. It's the greatest. She was very upset with you, Daniel. (laughs) Very, very upset. So much so that she thought it was important enough for me to interrupt my shoot so she could tell me that. So even if you like that a little bit more than last time, that's going to go a long way towards my wife's feelings about you. I just want to say that. Send my most humble apologies. Apologies to Laura. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, 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 I did, and I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop. Honestly, um, yeah. so I, it's just such a good soundtrack. There's only one or two that I'm not as into, but um, even smaller ones like "Dig in My Grave" that I don't, yeah. I, I can barely even place in the movie. I can't exactly remember where that even is because they don't. Act, I don't think they actually perform it. Um, I think it's a montage or something, but even, even tracks like that and music to my eyes. Great. They're great tracks. They really Um, are. So yeah, I I just all around love that movie so much and it, it solidified its place as my favorite movie of the year. Cause when I, after I first saw it, I put it as my favorite movie of the year, but like kind of self doubt. Yeah. I was like, is it my favorite? I can't remember. Black Klansman's at number two. Did I like that one more? And then now it's like, no, no, that's, that's my favorite movie of the year so far. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely uh, wanted to talk more about that one for sure. Also, I just literally about 20 minutes ago walked out of the theater uh, from seeing The Sisters Brothers, the Western oh, man. with John I C. Riley. I so jealous. I, it's not showing anywhere around Oh, uh, right yeah. It just got here this weekend. Uh, that was great. It was great. It's really like offbeat and funny. And it's kind of, it's like it's a familiar story. You've kind of seen the story, but... They do things in really unpredictable ways, and John C. Riley is just so good. When he when he can he has this this quality where he can be funny and strange, but really heartfelt, all in one kind of one performance. And so he he just really kills it there. And so does the rest of the cast: Joaquin Phoenix and Riz Ahmed. They're all great. So uh, yeah, the Sisters Brothers. If that if that, that comes to your city, very it's great. good to hear. I, well, I'm gonna. It won't come to my city, but right. I will go to a city where it is playing. Yes. Yes, it's very good. So that was great. Uh, I also, yesterday I saw The Hate You Give. I told you, I'm really cranking out trying to see as many movies as possible. Wow. Uh, so The Hate You Give, I saw that yesterday, and that was remarkable. Honestly, I didn't expect that one. The trailer kind of struck me as a little too young adult. It, it really, and there are still those trappings. It's still, it's still a YA movie, but it really, um, it really comes into its own, and it, it's such an excellent and layered movie um, that really overcomes a lot of those trappings uh, of y- really? the young adult okay. genre. And so I loved it. I think Russell Hornsby, who plays her dad, he he really kills the movie dad role. He just crushes it and adds a a, a really layer a, a layer of complexity and honesty to it. That I I would love it if he could break out into a long shot best act best supporting actor contender because he oh, is wow. just so, so it's that good. level. It really okay. is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Amanda Stenberg as well, who who leads the film, she was fantastic. So I would love to see her get some mentions as well. I don't think she'll she'll actually break into the Oscar conversation, but but I wouldn't be mad about it either. Um, so yeah, I highly highly recommend it. Uh, it's really eye opening, especially for for me, a white guy. I just I, I I just love that film. It's so needed today, especially for people like me. Um, it just really is eye opening and and really honest. So I I loved it. Really loved it a lot. And then uh, I also saw Private Life on Netflix. So that one did come to your city. It's in Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a, it's a film starring Paul Giamatti and Catherine Hahn about a couple with infertility. 
and I loved it. it. It's heartbreaking. You know, obviously the subject matter isn't exactly fun, but it, so it's right. heartbreaking. But it's also it also manages to be kind of funny and and find humor in this situation. And so I really loved it. I especially loved it because that's my wife and I were there. Um, obviously, you know, we're we're expecting twins any day now. But but up until you know nine months ago, this is where we were as well. We were struggling with infertility, and so to watch this struggle uh, on screen and talk about the exact conversations that we had. Um, yeah. It was just really seeing your experiences on screen is just, it just makes things better. You know, it's that catharsis that somebody else kind of ex- has gone through this. And so right. um, watching that on screen was really, really great. So I, I highly recommend it. It's not a fun watch because of the subject matter, but it is, uh, it's really well done and really, really good. So I definitely That's recommend awesome. that one. Uh, and then the last thing I'll talk about is a small film uh, that it, it, that you should uh, look out for when it comes to VOD because I'm not sure it'll hit that many theaters. It's in LA, New York right now. It's called After Everything. Um, it's a it's a it's a really honest kind of romantic drama about a guy and a girl who who come together and then turns out that the guy has cancer. And so it sounds really overdramatic, but I promise it's not. It's it's just a great romantic drama about what relationships in their 20s look like today you know even down to texting and and you know tinder dates and things like that it just really feels like the most honest uh romance i've seen about young couples today because it, wow. it, it's it's made by uh, two young directors making their debut they're in their they're younger than me they're in their early 20s and so it feels like they get it and so uh, it just really surprised me. I didn't expect to love that movie as much as I did. So, so when that comes to VOD, definitely check it out because uh, it's really great. It's called After Everything. Super, super good. So yeah, so that's all. And I think there's one movie that you and I both saw that uh, that we wanted to talk about a little bit. Uh, so, so I guess you saw Bad Times at the El Royale this weekend. I did. I am definitely. I remember, I have vivid memories when I was, and this will date me how old I am, and so Daniel, shut up, because I'm sure you weren't born, I don't need to hear about it, but I was a freshman in college when Pulp Fiction was released in theaters, Mm -hmm. and I remember up to that point, because I, I didn't discover my love for... Not that I didn't love cinema. I've always loved cinema since I was able to finally see a movie when I was like 15 because we weren't allowed to see movies in the theater. We've talked mm, about that on the yeah. show before. But I, that was that was really kind of my first theatrical experience where I remember sitting there and having my mind blown hmm. in the cinema in in a way that I just didn't know movies could be that, right? And so and, and, and as far as me working in the profession of production and et cetera, that didn't come about till two or three years later into college. So for me, Pulp Fiction, and it led obviously to years and years of, of knockoffs and people doing Tarantino light and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about this movie in particular because the director, I love Cabin in the Woods because of the way that it subverted the genre. And so to me, this it's not a genre, but it's almost a genre unto itself. This kind of everybody in one place, witty dialogue, mystery, nobody mm-hmm. knows what's going on, bursts of violence, that kind of thing. So I was really excited about this movie. And overall, I was really entertained by the by the movie in general. 
Uh, I thought the first half was much stronger than the second half. For whatever reason, this movie is like two hours and 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. It's just way too long and it runs out of steam. And and there's just several things plot-wise that we're not going to get into because we're not talking about the plot. But there are several things plot-wise that very easily could have been cut and that didn't make a lot of sense. And so it just was kind of underwhelming and stale while at the same time it had moments that were really brilliant, great scenes of dialogue, great performances, surprising things that happened. So like Cynthia Erivo in particular was wonderful and absolutely wonderful. And Jeff Bridges, honestly, Jeff, there's a a scene at a table where they're talking, those two characters are talking to each other uh, and it's, it's great. It's just really great yeah. acting. But I, overall, I left feeling like this movie was kind of adequate, but but not great. I wish it could have been great, but for me, it was just kind of okay. Now, what did you think? That is pretty much my exact same opinion. I feel very, very similar. I think um, the length is the is the biggest problem with this movie. Um, it it was I think two hours and twenty something minutes, and yeah, honestly, it, like it, it felt like it was five hours long. It felt. Yeah painstakingly long that's the biggest problem i think this could have been a fantastic movie had it been an hour and a half i think if i think if they had been really economical in the storytelling tightened things up like crazy um i think this could have been awesome because they had a lot of really awesome ideas i think great writing i think it's really well written it's just too long and and they kind of go in different directions that they don't need to go to so they just really trimmed this thing down i think there's enough there that uh that could have been something really special i I definitely don't dislike the movie i like it overall but it was just so there's just so much there that it didn't really stick with me um but plenty of moments of greatness in there and and really sure. cool ideas i thought it's interesting that drew goddard has this thing with with uh two-way mirrors with watching other people right uh, i don't know what that's yeah. about we can <laughs> dive into that but yeah so so overall i i i like it and it's probably worth a rental i would say but i don't recommend seeing it in theaters because it's just so freaking long honestly i was so bored not not by the content but just i felt like i'd been sitting there for days yeah, and it just, it it feels, it takes you to multiple places where you feel as if the film could drive to an ending point, and then it yes. just doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and that's s- exactly right. I, I, it kept, throughout the story, it kind of... Um, kind of has title cards like kind of similar to pulp fiction right. like kind of tells the story in chapters in a way and right. yeah i thought i was like oh okay so the movie's about to be over it's about to be over and then oh here's a title card yeah and then it goes and back wh- to the main thing and i said oh it's about to be over and then nope there's another title card i couldn't it was so strange and one of the most egregious cards and we can't go into spoilers but it happens in the very last act mm-hmm. where things are happening and the the scene in and of itself is very cool and could have worked in a different place but where they decide to put it and it's obviously very intentional it just puts the brakes on the momentum of what's happening in that scene and then you come out of that and you're supposed to have this oh this is a cool moment related to that scene and it was kind of that but not nearly as effective Mm. because you were like oh my goodness here we go let me settle in for another 10 minutes exactly right so yeah it was a bummer overall i just can't envision any scenario where i'm gonna sit down and watch that whole thing again yeah i mean maybe but I don't think so. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it could have been something really special. I feel like I feel like after Cabin in the Woods, which was a pretty good success, I think, for, for Jim yeah. Goddard, I think 
they kind of gave him you know it's been however many years that came out in like 2012 so it's been like yeah, six been years i think they kind of he was probably waiting to where he could make the movie that he wanted to make and probably had more freedom than he should have maybe and maybe he maybe. was kind of just nobody was reining him in because there's so much good here like i really wish i could recommend this movie because it's really interesting and i can't wait to see what he does next it is interesting but there's another big disappointment too and i don't think this is a spoiler it's in the trailers but you have this really cool conceit of this hotel which is split over the nevada Mm -hmm. and california line and in the opening scenes where you're getting the spiel about what the hotel's about and all this and you know it's more expensive on the california side and all that's really funny and then that never comes into play ever again. That's true. That is true. Not a single time. And I was I was very excited because I, I know he's a good I know Goddard is a great writer. And so it was like, okay, this is a very cool foreshadowing. This is going to come into play somehow. And no, it just never yeah. never comes into play again. That's true. You know, I'm I'm I live in Nevada. And so uh, all, all of those the jokes about California Nevada were getting huge laughs in my in my theater. I'm but sure. you, you're right. And then it just it just never it goes nowhere. Just never. So it was just yeah. very strange. So it's kind of a disappointment yeah. overall, but 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 even still, I was I was entertained certainly yeah. at least by the first half, and the performances are pretty good. But, yeah, I agree uh, with uh, Cynthia Erivo. She in, and I, it's awesome. She's kind of having quite the year. She's also going to be in Widows coming out here soon. Um, right. So I'm I'm excited to see what she does next because yeah, I think she was fantastic. Really she great. was fantastic, and I came dangerously close to seeing the trailer for Widows. <laughs> uh, in uh, anyway, oh, um, so I, I, another movie that I saw, and I won't. I literally will spend maybe 30 seconds on this. My six-year-old son, we took him to see Small Feet. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I like some of the ideas in that movie. There's one scene in particular that I think is pretty cool and interesting related to the revelation of why a certain thing has been done a certain mm-hmm. way that I thought yeah. was really cool. But overall, and, and I'm usually... I'm. I'm usually pretty into these animated features just because I love filmmaking in general. I had a really hard time with this one, Daniel. I was really bored mm. and found, I mean, the first maybe 30 minutes of this were just a slog for me. And so overall, I think it's thoroughly just kind of forgettable yeah. and it's not terrible, right? It's not incompetently made, but for whatever reason, even though I appreciated some of what it was trying to say and do, as a, just a piece of entertainment, it doesn't really land for me. Have you seen Small Feet? Yeah, Small Foot. Yeah, it. Or, I'm um, sorry, Small Foot. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't disagree with much of what you said. See, I didn't even know the name. <laughs> yeah, like, Small I will, Foot. Correct. I will say that I had such low hopes going into this movie anyway that it kind of just met those. And when that scene you were referring to, when that happened, it, it kind of, without getting the spoilers, the movie kind of takes a surprising turn for for a. For a DreamWorks or whatever this is, this isn't even DreamWorks. This is Sony. Warner I think. Brothers, maybe. Or something? I, I, don't I don't know. Who cares? But it's 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 one of the lesser studios as far as animation goes, right? And and uh, so I had such low hopes, but then it it takes this turn that I was like, huh, that that kind of got me. I didn't expect. I didn't see that coming at all. And so right. I was a little bit surprised. So overall, it was it was. Um, I mean, it was fine. It was fine. I, I I'll never watch it again. But it was it was honestly better than I thought it would be. But that's not saying much because I thought it would be absolutely terrible. So you know, it is what it is. True. Did that did Cole true. like it? Uh, I think so. He definitely didn't like it as much as he normally likes things. Our litmus test with him is if he doesn't say anything to us, then he's totally into it hmm. in the theater. Even though even at his young age, I am instilling proper theater going <laughs> etiquette. You better. Believe it, 
But he talked to me two or three times yeah. at the beginning just about whatever was going on. So I think he was kind of bored, too. And honestly, some of the things that it's talking about, some of the thematic elements, are certainly geared more towards adults anyway. Yeah. I just don't think they do as good a job of kind of towing that line and also keeping it fun for the kids. Now, he certainly had moments where he liked it. But, um, yeah, overall, I don't think he was mm. impressed either. So I was proud of him for not liking it. Yeah, there you go. So anyway, so the last thing that I've seen, and then we'll get into our review. And I am going to go to TV for this because I haven't had a chance to talk about it. But I just finished the second season of Glow. Mm. Now, have you watched Glow on Netflix, Dan? Not a bit. I hear it's okay. great. Glow is absolutely my jam. It is fantastic first of all the episodes are short they're like 23 minutes a piece except for you know one or two here or there uh it's about wrestling which uh in my world was a big deal growing mm-hmm. up i know you f- most of you people find that surprising <laughs> that someone from the southeastern united states would have wrestling in their lives <laughs> Uh, But we did. We loved wrestling growing up. And this series in particular, very much like Orange is the New Black and different shows of that ilk. It's not really about that. It's about the characters and their experiences. And that's just the backdrop through which we get to know their lives. And this series is really funny. I mean, hysterically laugh out loud funny and at the same time moving you grow to really care about these characters. I do think season two is a slight step down from season one but not in a substantial way. It's just beautifully shot and choreographed. It's exciting. And I think if you're not watching Glow, you're really missing out. Mm. So this is a strong, strong recommendation. It's littered with great performances, you know, top to bottom. Mark Marin is hilarious as the the TV show producer. It's just really great. It's a really great show, and I highly, highly recommend it. So anything else you've been watching, Daniel, or should we move on? No, I think uh, I think that's about it. I'm excited to talk about the, uh, the movie we're going to talk about today, First Man. First Man to Walk on the Moon. That'd be something. We've chosen a job so difficult, requiring so many technological developments. We're going to have to start from scratch. Do you question whether the program's worth the cost in money and in lives? You're down here and you look up and you don't think about it too much, but space exploration changes your perception. And it allows us to see things that we should have seen a long time ago. We have serious problems. We've got this under control. You're a bunch of boys. You don't have anything under control. The IMDb description of First Man reads, A look at the life of the astronaut Neil Armstrong and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. This film is directed by Damien Chazelle. Uh, It's his his third, actually, I'm sorry, it's his fourth feature after the hits uh, La La Land and Whiplash. Uh, It stars Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, Jason Clark, Pablo Schreiber, Ethan Embry, a whole bunch of people, Corey Stoll. It's obviously going to be a major player in the Oscar race, or at least it hopes to be. Uh, But first, we have to figure out if it's any good or not. So, uh, Chad, you and I have had many, many words about La La Land. Uh, La La Land, of course, uh, almost won Best Picture. Uh, In fact, briefly did win Best Picture. Uh, And it was also my favorite movie of its year, 2016. And uh, it has actually uh, gone on to place in my 
20 favorite films of all time. I believe it is a genuine masterpiece and one of the best films of the century so far. And Damien Chazelle, I mean, what a ride this guy is on. I mean, honestly, you know, he's the youngest best director winner. I think he's only 33 or 34 now, and he won his Oscar two years ago. This is definitely someone who uh, is having a a great moment in time here. So uh, tell us what you thought of First Man. First of all, I feel like I really should get some sort of accolade or prize because I showed remarkable restraint while you sat there mm. and extolled the virtues of mm-hmm. La La Land as one of the greatest films of the past mm-hmm. century. Yeah, I see no problem I, with I, that. I, I held my tongue, and I feel like I should get something for that because that's patently ridiculous. But that said, I have to wholeheartedly agree with you that Wow, what a one, two, three punch this guy is on. First Man is one of those films that I was excited about just by hearing the premise and the director. Mm. So all joking aside, Whiplash for me is in my top 10 of all time, Mm. period, full stop. I think that movie is an unmitigated masterpiece. I think the closing scene, now I'm a musician and I get all that. So I, I'm it's, I'm it's target audience for sure. And I, and I was in a performing ensemble with a director who was not as bad, but who certainly (laughs) motivated by negative reinforcement and all that. Exactly who you're talking about. Right. So for me, I'm certainly in its target audience, but I I still contend that that last scene is one of the most exhilarating in the history of cinema. Mm -hmm. For me, that is my masterpiece that I attribute to to Chazelle. And as much of a hard time as I like to give you, Daniel, about La La Land, that movie did make my top 10 that year. As a matter of fact, I looked on my list and it was number seven that year. And, you know, you and I see a lot of movies. And so any any movie that makes it into my top 10 is going to be a great movie for me. And so and all, and all jokes as, aside, you can't you you're you've never argued that it was a bad movie. That's a, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. Uh, it's just not a musical. But anyway, <laughs> That's I just like to I just like to give you a hard time because right, right. you love it so much, which I don't understand. But okay, <laughs> everybody has to live their own. You know, live my let me live my truth. Li- you got to be your truth. That's it, right? <laughs> So going into this movie, I was just excited about the fact that he was going to do something that was outside of the music genre. Yeah. Interested that it was going to be a true story and how in the world that his aesthetic would work with something that was true. And then step two of that would how would he bring something new to a story that is not just well-known, but is one of the most covered events in the history of the world. Because honestly, that is what... That's what the best of cinema does, right? It has to work even though we know the outcome. And I'm happy to report that this movie works even though we do know the outcome. Mm. And it works specifically because it shows us things around the event that we didn't know. There are a lot of thematic things that we could explore uh, when it comes to what this movie is trying to say. And I do think it has a lot on its mind. You know, this movie very clearly shows that heroism isn't always driven from a desire for fame or ego or conquering the next thing, but often from our individual, most personal experiences with pain. And this, so let me back up just, just kind of big picture here. Uh, having just seen this movie this afternoon, so it's still very fresh, oh, wow. very much like A Star is Born. I think I love this movie. I think I love it a lot. Now, I have some problems with it. It's not a perfect movie, and we're going to get into some of the technical reasons that I don't. But the more that I the more that I reflect on it, there is one thing to me that is abundantly clear, and that is Damien Chazelle 
knows what the heck he's doing mm-hmm. behind that behind the camera. I mean, that guy comes to the table with something to say, and he knows how to say it in a way that whether you like what he's saying or not will absolutely grab you and make you pay attention. I think this movie is just absolutely stellar. Uh, it explores men and their emotions or their lack of emotions and what that means in a societal context, certainly back in the 60s. It talks a lot about the country's obsession with getting to the moon first, what that meant to be out, you know, what that meant to the outside world versus what it meant to the families that had to endure what was going on behind the scenes, as well as what it as what it meant to the establishment of NASA and what they did right and wrong to try and keep a certain story going out in the public. And it explores all of these things. One of the things that I really liked about it, though, is that it absolutely does not romanticize any of this story. This is not the big sweeping epic with the crazy score and just the, you know, making everything seem heroic and beautiful. Nope. This movie is more interested in being very naturalistic and real. It does not gloss over the messy parts of the mission. It it talks very specifically about the toll that this took on the community of astronauts and engineers. It holds up a mirror to Armstrong's family personally after some tragedy that they experience and it talks it shows how that impacts his life Mm. his relationship with his wife and his sons when you see this film the one thing that it absolutely nails is how unbelievably dangerous these missions were it is claustrophobic it is shot in such a way that you it is visceral you feel the pressure you feel the danger where death is awaiting around every door every moment is is a screw coming out from death and you can feel that and so there are oftentimes was watching this where i asked myself because i feel like you know we've seen a million movies where people go into space but i have never felt as intense in the way that these are portrayed just from a physical and emotional danger that they had to go through while in the middle of it talking about what they needed to do to survive the mission often found myself asking why in the world would anyone do this? What was it like? What was going through their mind? Because he's not, Neil Armstrong, certainly as he's presented here, is not presented as your typical macho A-type character hero. He's very introverted, and he and, and we learn why, right? He's struggling with, with some things in his own life. For me, Daniel, the more that I think about it, and the more that I talk about it, the more that I really love this movie from just a craft standpoint. Now, I do a lot of my day-to-day work behind the camera, either shooting as a DP or directing, and any move that's in a film like this that the camera makes, there is intent behind Mm -hmm. it most of the time. And I really did have a hard time understanding some of the some of the choices that were made behind the camera as it relates to shaking the camera, mm-hmm. using an extremely shallow depth of field where things would rack into focus and out of focus. And in some cases, full shots of people talking were just completely soft and out of focus, yeah. right? And so they, that wasn't a mistake that they left in. So when those kinds of things are in there, I have to start asking myself, what are they trying to get me to take from that? And most of the time I could understand it. You can certainly understand when they come out of a flight the camera is shaky everything is supposed to be disorienting but there were times where they were having conversations that weren't necessarily even on a even on a secondary level where like inner tor- inner turmoil was happening things would be out of focus and there were times where that that didn't even line up so yeah. it was very distracting to me for like the first 
25, 30 minutes. And then it, not that it settles down, but I guess you just get used to it. Uh, and this movie's long. It's two hours and 15, minutes. two hours, 20 minutes, right? Very much like Bad Times at the Old Royale, except I was never bored with mm-hmm. this movie. So anyway, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. Uh, it's just fresh on, fresh on my mind. But, you know, outside, I was going back through my notes and trying to think, was there, what did I not like? And really, from outside of that technical distraction, everything else in this movie really, really works for me. Uh, I know some people have said that it, it feels cold or underwhelming. And for me, it was the opposite of it was the opposite of that. Now, I didn't leave the theater thinking that. But the more that I think about this movie and the way that it looked and the way that it was prepared and the, and the messages that it was trying to convey, the higher and higher this goes up on my list. So I think by the end of the year, this is going to be way, way up there for me. And that's not something that I expected. So overall, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah. uh, Likewise, you know, this movie had, like we already talked about, had a lot to live up to in in a few different ways. One is that Damien made two, in in my opinion, my rating, uh, Whiplash and La La Land are 10s out of 10. So two two essentially perfect movies, in my opinion. So there was was the the pressure of that. And then there's also the the kind of pressure of been there, done that, right? We've not seen this story on screen, uh, in film at least, but we've got Apollo 13 and, and other of these sorts of types of movies. So we've seen this sort of story play out before. And I and I love these types of movies, uh, but what 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 could be so unique about this film? And Chazelle brings it. I mean, uh, the the biggest compliment that I can say about this film is that it doesn't feel like what you think it will feel like. This movie tonally is so unique. Um, it's it's a completely different take on the mission movie and. Honestly, more than anything, that's thanks to the the, the smart, risky script um, and really, truly brilliant direction. First of all, First Man shows the intensity, like you already said, the intensity of the mission. And really, I've not seen that on film. You said it exactly right. Kind of death is is waiting around every corner, right? And, and maybe that's why we don't see that uh, portrayed in films very often when we see him portraying the Apollo movies. Even in Apollo 13, which is a movie about a failed mission, it didn't feel this intense. Um, and maybe it's because we don't want to admit that these men that we sort of idolize sometimes were were awaiting death every time they they set out on a mission and that's a scary thing and right from the start of the film the opening scene you feel that fear you feel that intensity i mean this movie is a thriller i mean it is so intense that i couldn't believe it and um sometimes like you talked about sometimes the the cinematography was a little too intense it would it would be shaky to the point where sometimes i i actually didn't even know what was going on but most of the time it worked flawlessly this movie is so intense in the best way possible and then on the human side of things it's intensely personal it captures the pain and the conflict of the the armstrong family so well and it is not the story you expect exactly like you said again this is not romantic at all this is not a spielberg film um there's no romance here and so the the strongest feature of the movie you kind of touched on it is its coldness this is a family that is struggling that is falling apart and it's falling apart even while neil is becoming this unlikely american hero and he's celebrated worldwide but at home he's he's distant and sad and so that emotion 
plays so well. And it's such a risky move, right? Because a lot of these movies, a lot of these movies dwell in the, in the excitement and the happiness and the proudness. And there's none of that here. And so that's really risky because the movie emulates those emotions as well. This, just like Neil Armstrong, this movie can be emotionless. It can be sad. And it can be kind of distant. And that's not a complaint. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, you, you kind of touched on it about how a lot of people say that this movie left them cold. It left me cold, but but that's not a complaint of mine. I think that was the intention in a lot of ways. This movie left me unsatisfied. This movie uh, left felt felt distant in a lot of ways. But that was, to me, the intention because that was Neil Armstrong. And so I think even though that's a risky move because audiences don't generally respond well to that sort of emotion, they do want to see the rousing excitement, the, the cheering, um, and there's none of that here. So th- it's, just, it's just so different. I didn't expect that in any way, shape, or form. I love this movie. I'm with you, Chad. I love this movie. The technical aspects of this film are off the charts. Uh, Off the chart. You didn't mention the score. The score is unique and really moving, and it's just so different he uses a lot of instruments i don't even know i'm not i'm not a musician i don't know the, even the the instruments that he used but they were just different and it sounded strange and dissonant in some ways um but it worked so well um the production design looks flawless my gosh it, i mean the the production design of them landing on the moon looks better than the one that when they faked it in 69 i mean it just looks so good uh, i'm just kidding uh but no it really looks it really looks spectacular the cinematography like we've already talked about even though i, I do have to reiterate sometimes the shakiness was a bit too much it really was but when it's when it's not too much it's gorgeous the colors are you know this blue and gray and it looks really beautiful um and then gosling and foy my gosh they're they're amazing i do think foy doesn't have as much to do as i would have liked that's not a knock to her performance so much as the story maybe or the script um just she she just kind of doesn't have a lot of places to go but when she's there she's fantastic um and and they play this unexpected relationship really really well and and gosling who is one of the most charming guys i mean in la la land in my opinion just does, <laughs> does amazing and is really just charming and fun to be around and that's not neil armstrong it's a totally different performance and uh, so i don't think he's ever been uh, i i might say he he's never been better i think he is fantastic here um so yeah, I, you know, there's so much you to talk about. You can say that this is better than La La Land. It's okay. I'm trying to decide. I actually don't know if I think it is. I can't. I can't. Just... I can answer for you. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I just all around, I think this movie is great. Um, it is a little emotionally unsatisfying, and that's intentional. Um, so so it leaves, it, it left me feeling odd in a way but but again that's not a fault of the film it's just it's not telling the story that you expect so um right so yeah i love this movie i I think though i think for me and i agree with i agree with what you're saying there daniel it i think the decisions that it makes are intentional right and i think everything that you know chazelle does at this point is is certainly intentional one of the things that this doesn't show it it has a couple of moments with one of the very first missions but 
when they land on the moon and they do all this, you keep expecting, right? We've just been trained at this point, conditioned right. to expect the cutaway shot back to uh, mission control where they're high-fiving and hugging, yes. right? And then the people in the street, which we get the people in the street, like looking around, but it's in a different way. It's not the same. Everybody's cheering outside and you know we have this great moment, right? You don't get that. And I like the fact that Oh, we need to get into spoilers. I let me say this. I like the way that this movie ends, and we'll talk specifically why. But one of the things I wanted to dovetail on there when you're talking about the performance of Claire Foy and Gosling is I think this movie does an excellent job at showing what it is like to be a family of someone who leaves every day with the potential of not coming home, mm-hmm. right? And so in this case, it's an astronaut. You know, in a daily case, it could be a soldier, it could be a police officer, it could be whoever, right? But the idea here is that you clearly see, because this movie st- spans 10 years, right? It's not right. just this one mission. It shows the full decade, and it shows the the people that are affected, the people that lose their lives in the testing, all the things that happen up through this. And we, we very clearly see... In the middle of all these funerals or accidents, there are these kids running around playing. Mm-hmm. They're still kids. Life goes on. But as it pertains to the relationship of, of Gosling and Foy, what you see there is it's apathy is the wrong word, but there's almost a numbness yeah. that kind of that they have to put up over themselves just to exist day to day. And I think that that impacts their relationship, which is why the ending is so beautiful yeah. to me. And we'll talk about that in spoilers. I, I love, there's a moment in here where when we finally learn that Neil Armstrong has been asked to command the Apollo 11 to the moon, he goes home and she tells one of their sons, hey, dad's going to the moon. And he goes, okay, can I go outside? Right. right? He right. Doesn't, just doesn't even care in his own home. It's, it's not a big deal. And then that is contrasted by a magnificent scene later that we'll talk about in spoilers. But overall, I could not agree more. I think that Kyle Chandler is great Mm -hmm. in this movie. Jason Clark is great. There's so many just really good, solid performances, but not in the melodramatic way that we've been accustomed to in a film like this. So I agree with you 100% that it's intentional. And for those that this, it's very much like A Star is Born. I have a lot of people that have seen it and they're like, yeah, it's okay. But I, but then very passionate people on the other side who say it's one of the best films of the year. Right. And so I think if you connect, if you can plug in and connect to the vibe that this movie is interested in laying down, then it's going to be a stellar experience. I know it certainly was for me. So anything else we want to talk to Daniel? I feel like if we get into spoilers, we can, we can dig a little deeper. I think, I think we've already talked about this. So I don't want to, you know, uh, circle the wagons too much, but, but I think, um, what Chazelle does so spectacularly is is take a, a movie, a, t- a sort of movie, a genre that we've seen so many times, and he just he undoes all of our expectations exactly like you said. There's there we when they land on the moon, where's the cheering scene? Where is it? I know it's got to be here because every single one of these movies cuts right there, cuts to it, and we never see it. And and so it's it's refreshing in a way, and I think that's why it, it feels odd sometimes in the theater. Like the landing on the moon scene – feels odd in a lot of ways it does um it feels because it doesn't it doesn't cut away it it it, it we stay right there i just love some that. great sound design stuff yes. there's lots of really great stuff and we should go ahead and say this too right we're not afraid to talk about anything here on the screeners there's been some controversy about that ending scene it's the dumbest uh, movie controversy i've ever heard 
I wholeheartedly agree. Ever. And if you'd like to hear us talk about that, then you need to do it. At, then you need to see the movie and come back and listen to our spoiler section because we can't talk about that without graphically describing the last scene. Um, oh, I so think Daniel, we could, well, I think what we can say before we dive into spoilers is there's the freaking American flag all over this movie. Okay, so I think this is a very patriotic movie. So for people who are complaining well, me, about the flag not being there, I think that's utterly well, and, silly. And let me say this too. This may be the most patriotic movie I've ever seen. <laughs> right. And it has nothing to do with seeing the American flag. And God bless America. I love America. Yes. It's had nothing to do with that. Right. Nothing to do with that at all. But for you people that are worried about it, not only is the American flag all over the movie, it's in the last scene twice. Yes. The very scene. And unfortunately for me, because I had not seen any of the trailers, but I had heard about this. And so I was predisposed to kind of trying to see it. And there are two shots where it shows the American flag, people. Yes. Twice. So, I, so anyway, honestly, when dumb. we post this episode to Facebook, because I've seen this happen to my other friends with podcasts, they have gotten at least one comment saying, not going to see it, avoiding it. This just doesn't show the flag. Well, First of all, if you're going to complain about a movie, you need to go see it, okay? Correct. You need to judge for yourself. Experience second of all, the art before you can critique it. Second of all, what you have been told is not true. It's Correct. not true. You are it's wrong. It's a lie. So just watch the movie and you will be proven wrong, okay? So it's yeah. just so Anybody silly. that doesn't see this movie for that, I don't even know what to say to you. So I don't dumb. even know what to say to you. So but before we go, Daniel, I think we already know the answer, but should they screen this in the theater? Should they rent it? Should they stream it on a service they already have? Or should they skip it altogether? You know the answer. They should definitely see this in the theater. Uh, I think this is aided by the theater because it's so intense and so big and uh, has such big scale. So definitely you should see it in the theater. And then I'm also going to pose a question to you after you answer that question yourself. How does this rank with Chazelle's um, last two films? Well, for me, absolutely see this in the theater. I saw it in IMAX, and that's exactly mm. how you need to see this movie. The sound design is immaculate. Academy Award worthy, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I would say see it in the theater. And then where it ranks for his filmography, or at least his, his most recent three, I'm going to have to go. And again, it's fresh, Daniel. It's fresh. Yeah, you put yeah. me on the spot. But I still think Whiplash for me has more of an emotional hook. And so Mm -hmm. it's still number one, although the craftsmanship that's on display in this movie is next level. So it's really close one and two, and then La La Land would be third. So same question back to you. So I agree. I think the techs uh, on display here are better than whiplash just because, I mean, that was a, really small movie and you know before he was big so um the tech technical aspects are a lot better i've rewatched it last whiplash last week and that kind of stuck the cinematography kind of stuck out to me as huh that's not not nearly as good as first man or la la land but uh, la la land is in my top 20 of all time so that's number one but and then i still think whiplash emotionally i think is is better so i would say la la land whiplash and first man is third but that sounds like an, an insult to first man in some way these three films my gosh i think i think damien chazelle is is the future of american cinema i mean he is he's destined to be one of the greats i mean it's no, it's insane no doubt about it and it's, we should also say this too daniel you and i've had discussions about how we rate on a scale and we both use letterbox right yes, so i yeah, just yeah. use that as my zero to five star scale 
And a few years ago, I, I realized that some of the movies that were the most impactful to me, movies that I loved the most, I was I was hesitant to give it a five star rating. And I realized that's really dumb. Right. And because there's no in my mind, I had equated that to a perfect score mm-hmm. and a p- perfect movie. There's no such thing as a perfect movie, sure. but there are perfect experiences a star is born for me as a five-star experience and so i gave that five stars for me even though you know you would say first man is third and for him and for for me it would be second i think both first man and whiplash for me are five-star experiences Mm, for sure la la land four and a half four four and a half for you it sounds like yep are they all five 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 uh so uh, so i'm i'm a little more stringent i i don't give so I actually use a, a 10, but uh, a, a 10 scale, but um, gotcha. I don't have a lot of 10s. I've probably given out, out of the thousands of movies I've seen, I've probably given out maybe 50 to 75 perfect scores, like 10s, 10 out of sure. 10. So I don't give them often. Maybe I give one or two a year, at, like sure. maybe. Um, yeah, I'm the and, same way. And so First Man for me is an 8 out of 10, which means it's amazing and it's fantastic, um, whereas A Star is Born is a 9 out of 10, um, and it's my favorite movie of the year. And so La La Land Whiplash are 10s out of 10, which means they're perfect to me. They are they are as close to perfect as you can get. They're fantastic. And so this one's an 8, but again, that's that's not that's not like meaning it's sure. bad in some way because uh, it is absolutely Got fantastic. It. Absolutely. That's too low, but I get it. Okay, so with that, let's move into spoilers for First Man. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. You know, Chad, I, I wish I had said this not in spoilers, but I, so I'll say it real quick before we dive fully into spoilers. One thing about those three films, Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man, is uh, is that they all, they feel thematically connected. My friend Tommy Barquinero said something on Twitter. I think he put it really well, better than I could. He said, Damien Chazelle has made three consecutive movies that touch on the tension between striving for greatness and maintaining personal peace. And I think that's so true. All three of these movies deal with that. People who who are, are longing for greatness, trying to achieve something incredible and and find it hard to balance that in their personal lives. And so I just I just find it interesting that all three deal with that. And uh, especially yeah. First Man here more than the others, um, just showing the toll that greatness takes on the people around the people achieving that. It does. It's definitely the collateral damage. And I would say in this case with First Man specifically, it's not just that you have a person striving for great and trying to balance his personal life, I think his drive for greatness was almost resultant from his personal mm. life. Yeah, that's true. And so we, we see very early on that 
in heartbreaking scenes that they have a little girl, Karen Armstrong, who looks to be maybe, I don't know, a year and a half, maybe two years old. And we learn that she has a tumor. Uh, treatments are, are not effective and, and she passes. And the, that's that's a very great sound design moment there where we go from one of the things this movie does is it jumps ahead in time quite often with no context. Yeah. And so you'll go from one thing to a hard cut into another thing and you have to reorient to where you are. And it's actually a very effective mechanic in this film. But one of those happens when we, we just learn that his he's playing with her hair, rubbing her hair after she's been sick from radiation. And then the next thing we know, we hear the click, 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 click as they lower her casket into the ground. Mm-hmm. It's very very effective. This really becomes kind of the the driving, not driving force in the way that it drives him to greatness, but it becomes a thing that he has to deal with. And when I when I said earlier that it sometimes seems as if he would welcome death, it's because he certainly is never, by what we see, mean to his wife or children, but he is very detached. And that's part of what we see is kind of his personality. And we see time and time again that he is just struggling. We hear his wife Janet say to one of their friends, Edward, hey, has he ever talked to you about Karen and he says no and he hasn't talked to and then she says he hasn't talked to me either so he's got all this bottled up in inside when I said earlier that he would welcome death I say this with no you know pretense at all you'll know what I mean but as a father I completely understood the feeling of what he was going through and and being willing to just be like, hey, you know what? If I need to go, I need to go. Yeah. The idea of losing a child is the most horrible thing I can imagine. I mean, it's very morose, but when you have a child, you know, you think about those things or what would happen if my if I lost my child, it, it's so unbearable that you you're like, I would have no will to even live. Right. right. It's just horrible. And it's this feeling in this movie that he's constantly wrestling with. It leads to one of my favorite scenes in the movie, although it's certainly heartbreaking, where his wife, uh, his wife, Janet, finally tells him you're packing up to leave and you haven't told our children that there's a chance, a good chance that you, they may never see you again. Mm-hmm. And I'm done. So you're going to have to go and you're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to tell them. And then they sit down and they have this great scene where he doesn't know how to connect with him emotionally. He doesn't know how to to convey his thoughts and his feelings. He's confronted death before, and it's easier for him to push that to the side than it is to confront it. And his, his younger son hugs him. It's your traditional kind of younger son. He hugs him. It's this moment. And then his older son says, but you may not come back. And then he walks up to him, and he shakes his hand uh, as he's becoming a man, understanding that, if his father doesn't come back subconsciously, that he's the man of the house. It's it's all these subtle kind of things that happen, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful scene. And then when he finally gets to walk on the moon in one of the emotional beats, like we don't get our traditional emotional beats here like we've talked about, Daniel, but the emotional catharsis and the payoff we get here is that he takes his little daughter's bracelet Mm-hmm. And he leaves it on the moon. And I can only assume that that's true uh, because this is based on a book that was written uh, about his life. And for me, that was the most, most emotional that I got in in yeah. this film. It just tied it all together in a way that is beautiful and just brought home again the idea that this movie and that history, the greatest moments in history, often are comprised of the personal and private lives of regular individuals dealing with regular things. Right. And uh, I think that's where this movie is is just absolutely stellar. Yeah. 
And and for me, I think uh, one of the more impactful things we kind of referenced the ending, but I mean, there's there's no dialogue in the last I don't know three or four minutes of the film because they're 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 back on Earth, and uh, the, the the men have to be in quarantine just in case they catch any moon diseases. And so the final scene is Claire Foy is his wife Janet coming in to speak with Neil through glass as he's in quarantine. They say nothing to each other. They sit there and look at each other, and there's clearly there's there's such distance between them. You know, you expect what I love is, of course, what what we expect is there would be this emotional coming together reconciliation. Like it's happened, we're we're good, we're back together, everything's gonna be fine now, and you don't get that. And that's why I say it's such a risky ending uh, because it left me unsatisfied. But I think it's because the, their relationship is unsatisfying. They are unsatisfied. They aren't whole. And so it's a tragic ending. It's it's so you don't expect a movie like this to end with with tragedy in a way. You know, he's just landed on the moon. He's he's probably the most famous man in the world. At, no at doubt that about point. it. And it ends in sadness and so i think that is so remarkable the guts it takes to end a film that way um and i think that's probably why audiences aren't responding very well to it because it's it's too challenging you know this it got a a b plus cinema score which is fine but um, i think audiences are leaving it unsatisfied but for me that was that was so remarkable to see it end that way I agree. Yeah, I think currently it sits at 90% or 88% mm. for top critics and 67% for for audiences well, on Rotten Tomatoes. And I know part of that is skewed yeah. because of the the stupid, idiots. Yeah, stupid but, flag tra- controversy. So yeah, the yeah. audience score unfortunately I I wouldn't even count Right, that. and I I'm a big proponent of not because yeah. those things are easier easy to game, but I don't think that it's disingenuous to say that this movie is not connecting with yeah, everyone. That's true. Uh, for, for all the reasons that, that you have stated. And I thought it was such an elegant and beautiful way to end the movie yeah. where he kisses his fingers and touches the glass and she doesn't immediately reciprocate. And you just get this moment where you look into her eyes and her performance there. You can see the the years of pain and coldness and and yet she is so happy or at least relieved i should say that her husband is back and you know tears well up in her eyes and then she puts her hand to the glass and they leave it there and it cuts to black mm-hmm. and it's great it's yeah. absolutely great i am thankful that we we still get movies and moments like this in this and and, and i know it's easy to bemoan the fact of we get so much stuff year round that is just kind of cookie cutter and sequelitis and all that stuff but these kinds of films to me really resonate because they're willing to be authentic mm-hmm. and to not give us what we expect. And it's in those moments of surprise where we can truly be moved in the cinema. Very much like A Star is Born, the more and more that I talk and think about this movie, the better it is. I, I was cold when I first walked out, very much like you, yeah. had to think about it, had to process it. And the more that I do that, the more that I really, really appreciate this film for what it did, what it tried to say, what it did say, and the fact that it stuck to its gun. So this is this is uh, this is master master level stuff for yeah. me for sure. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I think 
I, I was I had seen some other people post this, and I was thinking about it. Uh, people calling Damien Chazelle the the new Spielberg, you know, kind of the the heir to Spielberg's throne. And in some ways, I agree in ter- in terms of being the the next great American director, whatever. But it's so interesting that Spielberg would have made a totally different movie, you know, no doubt. Spielberg, He's the anti Spielberg, right? For sure. Spielberg revels in the emotions, revels in the the uh, the experience excitement and and joy that comes out of experiences like these and this is the exact opposite um right it's, it's really crazy although it was interesting that spielberg was an executive producer on this right film. right exactly yeah it's very interesting you know uh, i've seen some you know sp- even more dumb controversies so uh on one side of the aisle c- uh, complains about uh flags the other side i've seen some people complain about how white this movie is which sure it is it's a very white movie um but that's also because it it was a very white event that happened. So I think that's really silly controversy. Furthermore, it, it, it led to one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I loved as they're preparing to launch and there's this protest scene. Did you like that scene? I did. I did very much about uh, Whitey, Whitey, on Whitey on the moon, Whitey on the moon. I agree. Listen, we're not going to get into all, all of that stuff, you know, left side of the aisle, right side of the aisle. But here's one of the thing people... Whether you like it or not, this is a story based on fact, right? right? And so these are the people that were there. Of course, it was a horrible time for racism in America, and there were terrible things that were happening. But this story, if they just randomly had people of color everywhere, that would also be a disservice to, to people of color. So it's... You know, it's one of those things where we can all get mad about everything if we choose to. But I agree that was a very effective and probably accurate moment of what many people were dealing with during that time where I can't pay my rent. But, right. hey, let's go to the moon. Right? I so that's love a very that valid so much. I love yeah, the, valid the lens. Yeah, like they're complaining about, yeah, valid concerns. Uh, all this turmoil is going on in this time in the country. So much, you know, uh, this, this is that's the height of the civil rights movement, right? But we're spending millions and millions of dollars to go to the moon. Why? And so they, they answer that question. They talk about it and deal with it. And and uh, so I thought that inclu- the inclusion of that scene was so smart because, again, that's something I've never seen in one of these movies. It's all about yeah. the triumph and the glory of it. And this scene yeah. says... Yeah, there's triumph and yeah, there's glory, but there's also there's pain at home and there's pain in the country. This is not a great time in American history uh, as a whole, right? And so right. Um, I love that they didn't that th- that they included that. And we should say one more time too. I, I don't want to undersell it. The scenes that deal with flight in this film are breathtaking. Yep, they're absolutely breathtaking and some of the best ever put to film and we should also say this movie was shot on film yeah. and it looks awesome yeah yep. i love film so much you know what's weird so great. tell me you know you you and i both uh shoot a lot um a lot of the scenes i i don't know i don't know what it is it's hard to put my fingers on it so maybe you didn't feel this way also you saw it in imax and i didn't so maybe that changed the experience but i felt like a great many scenes felt cropped in and maybe that is because I didn't see it in IMAX, but it was almost like the, there's a look when you're when you're editing and you crop in, it changes the visuals of it slightly. You can like for the for, for if you work with 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 video, you can tell a little bit when something's cropped in past where it was shot. And so a lot of those scenes felt that way. It was very odd. I felt like everything was slightly cropped in from where it was supposed to be. And so I don't, did you experience that in any way? 
I didn't. The, the closest okay. that I came to that was just the feeling that he intentionally shot with uh, with wide lenses right up on their face. Right. And it was a lot of out of focus stuff. Yeah. So that feeling I certainly got. And I, there was a lot of noise in the image yeah. uh, that you get a lot of grain from the film, yeah. which I love. But I didn't I didn't really get that. Now, mm. I don't want to geek out too much if they shot some of this on IMAX cameras, I believe. Yeah. And so depending on what the what the frame size of that sensor is versus how it's displayed, there's all kinds of different ratios that it could be. But I didn't get that feeling specifically. It, it, it Probably could be because I knew I know they shot a lot of it on IMAX cameras, so it could be that it was literally cropped in for me on a non IMAX screen. So because there was no changing ratio, um, did, was right. there was there in your no, there? not that I noticed, oh, okay. not that I noticed. Interesting. Well, normally when we review these, uh, I kind of get into the Oscar odds, uh, and there's certainly lots to talk about with First Man, but uh, in just a couple days here, we're going to record our first Oscar preview episode of the season, uh, try to try to cram in some of these before my babies get here, so definitely look out for that in the next few days after this episode comes out, where we'll break down not just the odds of First Man, but kind of all the contenders uh, and movies that we have looking forward to, so definitely, definitely look out for that. And that's it for this episode, so definitely be on the lookout for our Oscar preview episode, as well as our next full episode where we'll be reviewing the new installment of Halloween. We'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.